Welcome to the Etsy Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McRoberts. The emphasis I've placed so far this season on the practice of poetry actually positions us to have some conversations, well, to continue some conversations that I care a whole lot about. Really specifically, beginning with this episode, a focus, a concentrated focus on the intersection and overlap between psychotherapy and religious practice. As someone who's benefited both from therapy and spiritual direction, this intersection is a place I experience a great deal of life, while also coming to a great deal of very complex and really interesting questions about what it means to be me, what it means to be human, what it means to have relationship, what it means to be a person of faith. One of my favorite people working in that intersection, at that intersection, is KJ Ramsey. KJ works at that intersection as a therapist and an author, talks profoundly about issues of faith, and it just so happens, has recently produced a volume of poems and prayers, which makes such a beautiful bridge into the heart of this conversation about what it means to be fully human, to value that which is beyond our understanding, and to dig really deeply and thoughtfully into the things we can and should understand, like brain chemistry. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I think you will as well. Check it out. I'm taking the liberty to finish this little bit. Of, you can finish that little bit of, what is that, I'm, yogurt? It's yogurt. I, uh, that is so Colorado. number two of the day, and I'm make myself, I need That's to fine. make myself eat. We can be the lunch spot. We can, the, we're, This is the lunch stop. Yeah, That's not even lunch, lunch, is it? Really it's 10 a.m. here. <laughs> late, late breakfast, early but lunch. You know how book you know how book release season goes. Yes, I do. How is it feeling for oh, you? Oh, by the way, what so when is your book coming out? My book comes out in May. Yeah. End of May, May 30th. May. Okay. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm thrilled. You're thrilled? Okay. I'm thrilled. That's good. Yes. I like the book a lot. <laughs> so I'm happy with the book. I'm happy to put it out in the world. Um, yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for it, to be honest. That's awesome. How's this feeling for you? Um, yeah, I spent a long time talking to my husband about that last night. I I am an introvert and yeah, book release season is like a lot of extroverting. Um yeah. a lot of like outside energy. Yeah. And, uh, but so I've like all this week I've been feeling that like, oh, man, I totally overloaded my schedule, dreading this. And then yesterday I was like, you know what? I do not want to walk through this whole thing. It's like dreading this. Yeah. Like I made this thing. I love it. So I spent some time last night just like, I like that. looking through the book. My author copies came yesterday. I had had one before, but it was like super beat up. And I was just like, I, I love what I made. Oh, it's beautiful. Like, I'm so glad I get to give this to people. And it was yes. like I got to tap into. You got to kind of reattach yourself to the project like it was a piece of you. Yeah. So, you know, I wish I just felt great, <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm like repositioning myself to receive the season as good and not just exhausting. Having done it before, does it make like does it make a difference at all, or do you uh, do you kind of re-experience the same? Uh, I don't want to say it that way. Like, do, does it? You get. You, I don't want to ask the question like, do you get used to it? Because that's kind of the yes or no question. Having done it before, you come into the season, you have expectations. Is 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 there more of like a self awareness in it? Is there more of like like? Because it's not like I mean, I if you, I, you no, go ahead. I see the same pattern in myself. Like this is the third time yeah. I see this pattern in myself of like the first time I just was excited at first, and then I was like, "Whoa, that was exhausting." Yes, very but, tired of it. Whoa, I didn't know how exhausting that was going to be. But then, like second time, I did pretty well at like limiting my schedule. This yeah. time, I have a better publicist, and so <laughs> then I was like that means oh there's more on my schedule and i actually like didn't realize that i yeah. said yes to this much stuff Ooh. yeah um but i think i see the same pattern in myself of like i 
like we'll get preemptively overwhelmed just by the number of things and and then preemptively overwhelmed yeah yeah like i'll look like today yep. there's oh like, i know you know i look at my schedule and like like i know all these conversations are gonna be good but i'm already tired thinking about talking this much i got two thoughts and, on my brain the one is like that it's a very like it's like preemptive sadness which is like like very enneagram four kind of thing it's like i know if yes. at some point i know at some point this relationship's gonna have to change and i'm already I'm already grieving that. And you're like, yes, but this is, we've got a solid two years. I know, but I'm going to spend at least 60% yes. of that time grieving the loss of the thing that I have preempt preemptive. Yeah. Uh, and the other part of yeah. it is there, there's a, there's a, a really interesting, I think, um, I, I think it's interesting and that's why I'm going to say it. There's really interesting athletic parallel here. And so far as like you can, you can train and, and you do, and you get, you know, stronger and faster or whatever the heck. And then um, there is still, regardless of anything, like the day of the workout or the race or the long hike or whatever, there is still like, you know, you're going to like it. You know, you're going to enjoy it. You know, you're going to be happy when it's done because you've done it before and still have that like, fluttery yeah. butterfly like oh my gosh nervous thing yep. all the time and you're got... also still gonna be tired at the end yes i i got friends who are who are <laughs> trainers and they're like they're like those like badass crossfit types you're like okay. oh wow yeah yeah so like good good for you please stop posting things publicly um but uh but they're but they still like they'll go into a workout and these are like the most in shape humans in the history of <laughs> of all yeah. humanity yeah. and they'll oh, still wow. like <laughs> 10 minutes before a workout, they're having like anxiety. They're like, no, they're, I, yeah. get, they're like, I get nauseous before workouts. I get nervous. Like, this is so crazy. I don't even get nauseous yeah. and nervous before workouts anymore. I'm just like, this is going to hurt a little bit. And it's, yeah, it's, like I don't, it's just sadness. I, think. I don't feel nervous. I don't get nervous for like the interviews or anything like that. It's just the, it's like, I know during the conversation, I will feel like lit up by talking um, and connecting and but it's the later on that i'm just like i am a pile of mush now <laughs> like, what do you do at the end of the, the day yeah i mean well yesterday which was more it was clients and then like one book thing um i rode and that was so good just 15 minutes of rowing and road like got it yeah english rower got it yeah <laughs> i was like i was like on a bike or no you like no. Row. yeah yeah i was rowing we got a rower recently and um yeah that felt really good just like move yeah. some things through get some of that out um yeah and then other times i've got like this for christmas i got a um massage gun and oh those so little torture cool devices too. the little it's not torture it feels so good the uh, I, 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 I know I know exactly what it is. <laughs> like I have you bring it. I'm like, don't scares me to death. <laughs> uh, I mean, death. yeah, you you do have to be careful with them, but like, I, or I've been using that just kind of like phys get to physically kind of like help my body, like yeah. let some stress out of my totally. through my skin. You know, think um, about that combination of like I got a, I got a massage thing. You have to be careful with it. That's a really that's a really interesting. Like I got <laughs> yeah. this massage tool. I got to be real careful with it. It is also I called mean, a gun. So It is called a gun. That is yeah. a very intense that's where, word. That's where we're yeah. at with regards to self-care. There's a level yeah. of threat yeah. that we they were entering to this. No, entering it's, this. it's 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 good. It's just yeah. So that's where I'm at. I I'm trying to receive a book re book release season is a good thing i just i have i don't know if you do this but it's like i often will receive um things that are genuinely good there i often will like experience them as grief yeah and yeah it's like i'm work i'm just yeah. trying to let that like be a thing because there are also, layers there's so many myself. layers to the thing where like there's there's the the idea of the thing and then mm -hmm. there's and then there's the work of making the thing and then there's the thing itself 
and yeah, then what it actually is. And then there's the the promotion piece, and then there's and then there's the relationship between the thing and other people, and then there's the feedback. You like it's and none yeah. of it is. It's all different things. Yeah, it's uh like it's the all, thing yeah. itself is like you're in love with it. Yeah, the other pieces are like that's where all like the yeah. you know soft emotional skills come in and that stuff is harder. Yeah. Yeah, it's this I think what I'm realizing is this transition into the release part is always a little hard for me. Yeah. And that's that's okay. It just it's not my favorite part of being an author, and that's okay. I like it when it, the book's been out for a while and yeah. it's, it's a thing and you don't have to talk about yourself so much. Do you experience any of that um weird and it is weird that weird, not release grief, but like the finished grief where um, like you're done with the thing and you kind of wish you weren't like you're done with it. And it's in, and not everyone does you're done. Yeah. It's sort of set in stone now. Like you've gone through series of edits, you finished, got a piece, it's done. Do you experience that sense of like eek? It's maybe a grief, maybe an anxiousness of like, oh crap, not whether it works or not, but just sort of like you have to let it go. Kind of like the, like the, like it's a baby thing. Do you yeah, have that like feeling? Let it be what it is. I kind of do. Um, I think it was less this time because I had already like, I was in the process of like securing my next contracts. And so I know like, oh, I get to make another one of, the I get to make another two of these. And like, you mean right after you finished this one, you were, you were stepping yeah, right after, while project. I was while I was finishing the like final edits on this one I was pitching my next books and like figuring out what I was going to be doing and so it was kind of like okay it's fine that can be its own thing because I yeah. I know that I have all the space to create more yeah so it, it was different this time like because that's the first time that I've had the like I mean it's the first time I've been like no I know what I'm doing for the next five years I've never had that in my life really so I think that changed the experience. There was like, yeah. oh, I, yeah, I know like kind of what I'm going to get to create next and there's going to be more space to be adventurous and therefore yeah. this, it doesn't have to feel sad that that's over because like there's all this space. There's so. a, there's this um, phenomenon or experience uh, that, this is going to sound pedantic. Uh, like the younger creators, artists have with their projects. Um, we, and we talk about it in terms of we, we, you hear it. I've heard it often talked about with regards to like, it's like, this is your baby. It's the whole, it's the whole kill your darlings thing in editing. Yeah. You feel so close to the project. One way to talk about this is to talk about like, this is like, this is like your baby. I think that's a, terrible analogy in so many ways <laughs> yeah. uh so there's i've never liked it and now i know why um the the thing that i understand now having been through it 175 years ago when i started making art but also like listening to other people walk through their thing is when when you don't have a lot when you haven't put a lot in the world when you haven't released a lot of stuff or the way seth godin talks about it when you haven't shipped a lot the entirety of who you are as an artist is literally wrapped up in the project in front of you. Right. And the yeah. idea of it being done and then not knowing either how it's going to go or what comes next right. is like, there is, there is an anxiousness yeah, yeah, felt, that comes. I totally felt that with my first book. Yeah. Yep. Like this is everything. But three in now. It's like, You're like it's I a got, book. it's a, it's a book <laughs> it's, among other books. And and, yeah. and there will be and more if, and that's fine. <laughs> totally. And trying to convince someone early in their process that like, hey, that's a good feeling is to be, it's a good thing to feel less attached to your work. Trying to convince them of that. They're like, oh, hell no. Like this is like, no, this is oh, like, I, this is so precious to me. And then later yeah. down the road, you're like, honestly, I feel like, you know, I released it. It's probably a B plus, might be a B. It could be a B minus. I'm not really concerned about it. I'm done. I'm really, I'm, I'm happy. I'm yeah. happy that I did it. I'm ready for the next thing. It's, it's, it's a very different feeling. It's not, it it's is. not the same kind of satisfying as, but my God, is there more peace? <laughs> oh yeah. I prefer it this way. It's totally. that has gotten better with every subsequent release. And it's been like really nice. 
It's yeah. really nice to have more detachment. If you have enough, if you have other projects you've got planned out for the next five years, that's a pretty steady pace with regards to shipping, yes. because your three books, your three book releases in over the course of really when it comes down to it, but like maybe four years. Yeah, it was the first book came out in 2020. Um, but you started that process. I mean, well, our conversation, you started the, the yeah, writing I process. Started for that. it in fall of 2018. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So that's a pretty so. serious pace with regards to create, like actually writing, yeah. editing, producing, releasing, yeah. moving on. Yeah. And now you have more stuff. Uh, is this a? Li- is this? By like- the way, is this the part? Is this part for just for us or for the podcast? You tell. You tell. I'm. I, I, I'm oh, good. This is, we're, we're just talking. Um, okay, cool. I'm. I'm recording everything. So if at some point you're like, "Hey, the thing I, the thing I said I about like, that told one guy," people, I haven't told people that I know like what books I'm writing for the next five. Oh years. yeah, I don't. Have, you don't have to give any details, but like, yeah. Does yeah. the does the pace feel is that um, sustainable? Is not the word I want to use. Is that energizing? Is it like that's a lot to do? For some, yeah. for, for some of the uh, some of the re- the the authors or artists that I know that you and I both pay attention to, it can be three years between projects. Yeah, which for me is like, can you give me more of you, please? Uh, but for yeah. them, like they don't want to put that that much time and energy into productivity. T- talk about that pace. Like that's a lot to have in your brain yeah. and to be planning for. Right. When you have yeah, this I... whole other job of actually being a therapist. Right. Like, yes. Um. Well. I had to, let's just say when I got my next book contracts um, at the end of the summer, that's when we were like decided where to go. Um, I had to sit down with my agent and we uh, made, got a big whiteboard out and put out all the deadlines <laughs> of like manuscript due. Uh, here's when copy edits would probably fall or like second round copy edits. Here's mm-hmm. when the next one would be due. Cause I, until I could like make sure there was enough margin, it felt too overwhelming. Personal margin. Yeah. Margin for like having things go wrong, okay. um, getting sick, needing a rest, <laughs> like, yeah. um, I needed to make sure there was some wiggle room in my schedule before yeah. I could commit to being like, this is doable. Yeah. Um, Cause I don't want to like, I, you know, I want to practice what I preach. Like I want to have a good grounded life, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but I love to write. I yeah. love to write and I love to explore. And every time that I write a book, I discover things that I want to, that I'm really curious about, that I want to write more about and just like look into more. And for me, it's like, uh, I feel like I get, got this great gift to mm-hmm. let myself like, know I have the security of being able to be that curious yeah, and like get paid for it for the next five years. That's awesome. Like, I just feel really grateful. Yeah. So is that still yeah, the it, engine? For, is, is curiosity still the engine for you? Like, yeah, um, you don't feel like you're yeah. sliding into, and this would this would be a critique, and and, and you'll hear it as that way. You you don't feel like you're sliding into like the expert posture where like, oh yeah, at, at some point in some people's careers, and I you see. and I have both felt this with folks. Like, I feel like you're talking at me at this point. We're not in conversation anymore. Is curiosity right. still your engine? Yeah, um, I think sometimes people want me to be the expert. Right. And Especially with something like this too. mental health. Like they want yeah, like someone with to trauma. Just, just tell me the truth and, and move on. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. The, like I think it's harder for me is to, there's been periods of like letting myself own that I do have expertise. Cause I, I think hmm. I tend to like, I felt a lot of downplaying of that internally, like toward myself hmm. in years past, but yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just a big nerd still. Like, I just <laughs> really, I just really love, like, I mean, this morning, um, while I was getting ready, uh, I was listening, I'm reading Hour of the Land by um, Terry Tempest Williams. Okay, cool. And so 
it's like doing my hair listening I'm both reading it and listening and uh just listening to her talking about like conservation efforts in Utah and like Canyonlands and Arches National Park was like beautiful and made me think about like my own like where am I being invited to Mm. be more of an activist and yeah I mean that's the stuff that keeps me alive is this like asking the questions and asking myself questions um so yeah I think curiosity still drives it and I think joy still drives the creative process for me where it's like experiencing beauty and connection and delight and wanting to like translate that into a form that like tells people that's worth the pain of seeking. Yep. It still is there. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's all perfect, but like, I just am a nerd who is really, really delighted by a lot. And I want to tell people about it. (laughs) You you mentioned discovery and curiosity. Um, You talk, and we've talked a couple of times about um, the, the, the process of, uh, of like self-discovery as like a key to actually enjoying really any lifelong work, but particularly the creative endeavors. Um, what, what would you say you discovered? Like talk about curiosity and discovery in the process of a, of, of this prayer book. Like <clears throat> that's, it is, uh, it's not entirely a left turn if you and I are honest, but like mental health trauma prayer book. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, there are lots of ways in which that makes sense. I would love to hear a little bit about not just the impetus for like, hey, why write a book like this? But I, but come through the doorway of like, what were the curiosities that 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 drove this process for you, and and were there particular moments of discovery for you, like in the process or or after the fact? Yeah. Okay. First of all, it's super fun to get to talk to you about this because okay. you've written prayer books like you this is you too and yeah I haven't gotten to do that yet um so that'll be kind of fun to hear I don't know a little bit of your own answer to that too but um I I did not intend to write this book um okay so like it it wasn't like the others where there's like this burning thing and I set out to do it and make it happen and secure the contract. And like, it was, it was actually just, I was trying to give myself um, kindness to play with words and like process my own story while writing the previous book, The Lord is My Courage. Mm -hmm. Um, which is so much about my own like healing process with religious trauma. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was writing poetry and prayers to help myself process Mm -hmm. and to also to distill down, like poetry has a way of distilling things down to their essence. Mm -hmm. And I was, it was part of what I, it was a, a medium that I used to help myself discern what is what is to share and what is simply mine yes <laughs> because when you're telling stories um it's really hard to know like what is what's for thousands of people to read and what's just for you and your spouse yeah. um you know and and so poetry kind of was like this potent device that helped me distill down what am i trying to say at its essence and like what what's for me and what's for other people um so i was just writing poetry like alongside writing the chapters of the lord is my courage and then like started to also write prayers with that same effect of just like trying to be in conversation with this god that i love and who 
called us out of darkness really like led us into a wilderness space that's very confusing and I still feel like this confusion of why does this church where we were abused still exist and like why did the why do the evil prosper (laughs) you know yeah um and so yeah it's just personal and Mm -hmm. I frankly um I you know how social media works like when you're writing a manuscript um you don't I don't know if maybe it doesn't work this way for you, but for me, like I'm very head down. I'm like working hard every day and there's not as much space to like come up with like an Instagram post. Um, And so uh, I occasionally just started sharing a couple of those pieces um, on Instagram because I needed something simple to share while I was more focused on this Mm -hmm. manuscript, just like show up, getting to show up and still connect with people. But like, not have it take so much energy yep and um people were really moved by the pieces and i at that point i wasn't even calling it poetry okay i didn't even think i did not think this is poetry i didn't think i could write poetry (laughs) i hadn't because i didn't i hadn't studied poetry so i didn't think i had knew enough about poetry to write poetry because that's a deeply held ingrained thing in me um about Mm. competence but uh that I'm working through but yeah just getting to like share these things and I realized through people's feedback that this these words were actually meaningful for them and as that happened more and more people started to be like are you are you gonna make a book of these and I still was like I'm just making simple posts like (laughs) I'm just like these are just my personal like uh, I'm just getting through writing an intense book. Yeah. Um, but it kept happening and I realized, um, oh, well, I guess this could be for more than me. Yeah. Let's explore that. And so I, I didn't think a publisher would go for it, but they did. And I'm glad they did. Now. I'm glad they did. I, I, I love your, your moment. They're talking about, uh, about competence and poetry. Um, because in, in theory, um, no. In essence, like the practice of poetry, as a as a like as a writer, has more to do, far more to do, with, um, like letting go of those expectations of competence, than it mm-hmm. does with like, a, like achieving a level of competence. Like that. Like there yeah. isn't a a way. Like here's the way to write poems. Like you know, I, yeah. I just uh, this morning released a, a podcast with uh, Scott Cairns, who's a fantastic poet. Um, talked with one of my favorite poets a couple of weeks ago. Um, his name is Gregory Orr, and both said something along the lines, something along the same lines uh, during the during the interview is that like when when folks talk about you know writing, I, I even asked um, uh, Professor Orr. I said like. Well, if someone asks you, like, how do you write a good poem? And he scoffed at the question. He's like, there's no, and it's like, oh, because there is that, like that um, poetry demands of us, like the release of those expectations of competencies of this is what good looks like. This is what finished looks like. It actually takes our expectation treatment of language and flips it on its head so that we get freed from like all those weird trappings. Yes. And so like that is exactly the moment we're like, I don't think I'm good at this. You're like, okay, now we're ready to get going because yes. it's not really it's not really about you being good at it. It's actually about you being in it, period. Yes. Regardless of your your feelings and competencies. Oh man, it was such a cool <clears throat> process to like I'm really glad I I did it in secret. So I didn't like tell my readers that I was working on this book until it was like yeah very close to coming out um and I'm glad I did that because I needed the time to wrestle with this and to like coax myself into showing up (laughs) um to help myself feel safe to be like you actually can do this you can show up and um you know recently my friend Suzanne um Stabile was talking about with the Enneagram you need your the energy of your stress point 
to show up in your security point. Hmm. Um, so as a four, I need actually the energy of two uh, to show up in the, with oneness. And so yeah. um, I realized like that was the process of these poems and prayers was letting myself get over my own like lust for greatness and lust for being um seen as uh competent and sharp from a literary perspective and actually just fucking care for people yes like yep just care for people yeah like the point i did not write the book of common courage for a literary critic to tell me that i'm awesome i wrote it for a person who feels overwhelmed yeah. to feel seen and held and heard right there and that, therefore my words need to be simple yeah. and need to have a clarity to them like it was this really cool process writing this book was a really cool process of getting over myself yeah and just like letting care um create more space to show up and then like learning to receive that's good enough yeah that is good enough like yeah. that is art like let it be good enough um that's really it was good. so freeing i love that <clears throat> out of uh, of a friend and mentor and who's also like a, a work partner um who challenged challenged me uh a few years ago um it was a, it was a challenging question i i hadn't thought about it super intentionally um but she she asked she said you know you post these these thoughts some of which are prayers uh every day that's a lot you're generating a lot i had like made this commitment a while ago i'm going to post it post on me every day and she and she said so um are you conscious of she said what was the question she said like do you keep anything for yourself cuz you you talked about it a moment ago like like dividing not dividing but like discerning between this is what's for this is for me and my spouse. This is for me internally. This is for people who aren't me. This is for for you know public consumption, especially if someone's got a book contract, there's money involved. Mm -hmm. Um talk about that for you. How um like what did you learn about the things that you actually take more personally, specifically with, with regards to prayer? It's one thing to be telling stories from our past about about trauma. And pointed in put it in the direction of like here's a here's a lesson I've learned or here's et cetera, versus like here is my prayer life. And putting that in public, what what have you learned about like the things that you hold more personally precious with regards to prayer or connection with the divine, like in the process of making something for public consumption? Yeah. Um I will answer that from the side um, <laughs> because uh, Sunday we were together with some friends at what I am calling not church, um, capital <laughs> N, capital C. Uh, and it's a, it's people we get together with once a month who are kind of like in the wilderness together, um, yeah. figuring out what does church mean to us now? Um, if we called it a house church, I would barf. So yeah. I couldn't do it. I get so it. not church. Um, and we were talking about prayer. And actually, okay, I'm going to read a, read a quote. Um, yeah, please. So this was like our prompt for discussion from Brother Lawrence. I have abandoned all particular forms of devotion, hmm. all prayer techniques. My only prayer practice is attention. I carry on a habitual, silent, and secret conversation with God that fills me with overwhelming joy. Yeah. And... I laughed while reflecting on that with my friends um, because I was like, what's hilarious is um, at, at the point of that conversation, the book was one week for release. And I was like, I have a book coming out next week, <laughs> um, a book of prayers, but really like my personal prayer practice is actually wordlessness. Yes. It's, it's just paying attention and it's, being in this room that we're that I'm talking to you from and like laying down I have this bolster that I lay down on um because I'm working on like opening up my heart um 
physically like the posture so uh the point of that story is what's personal and not for as much public consumption is just it's this daily practice of quiet of yeah. silence and um you, these words in the book of common courage they actually welled up out of wordlessness um so I'm glad that I I'm glad I wrote it, even though I believe really at its heart prayer is paying attention. I think these are words that help us pay attention and might welcome us to pay attention to like to our surroundings and to ourselves mm -hmm. as though there's actually goodness here. Um, but really, they started with like this daily practice of getting still and getting yeah. quiet or going on a walk. <clears throat> and and like looking around me um and that you don't really i don't know that's you can't sh it's that's that's a daily thing that it's hard to put words to but also i don't necessarily i don't want to go i'm not it's like i'm not gonna go say on social media every day i just did centering prayer you know <laughs> like that it's just not i don't know it's icky I don't know that, would that, really, be, that would be legitimately yeah, be icky, icky. Yes. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if that really answers your question, but it like, totally does that. That's what my prayer life really is. is and it, it, it is a silence. That's very much been my experience. And I, the the cheap way to say it is like, ain't that a trip <laughs> that. um, And yet it makes it well, it is a bit of a trip, but it makes a truckload of sense. So the, the opening opening line to the Tao Te Ching reads the name that can be named is not the eternal name. And I remember in high school reading that for the first time and thinking like, that's so cool. And uh, I was like, I was, I was just captured by the notion that the name that can be named is not the eternal name. Oh yeah. It's very Enneagram <laughs> four kind of like, I oh, don't put a label on that. And, uh, uh -huh. <laughs> and <laughs> which is like me being in a jackass about like literally ancient wisdom. I'm like, that's so cool. Put it on a hat. But. Hilarious. I would have the, done the same thing. What, but one of the things that um, I don't know, I think I just I can say discovered or like was clarified for me in the in the process of like the initial like the initial uh, the kind of lead up to putting together a collection of uh, of prayers to write mm -hmm. an actual prayer book was that the moment I could. Artic the moment I the moment I could articulate a thing and know that I had art, I, like I had articulated something and like put it together to be handed over to somebody, um, I def I, like it didn't feel, and it wasn't a negative experience. It didn't feel like prayer to like I knew it was a prayer, but it didn't uh -huh. feel like prayer to me. Yeah, and initially like <clears throat> that was just an art process experience. Um. Post the second prayer book and that conversation with Donna, who's the the person who challenged me about like when you when you were like are, how what do you keep for yourself? Mm -hmm. Um, part of what I've come to is like that what that what I'm really discovering though then in that is that if I can get my head around it, um, then it's about God. Mm -hmm. uh, that's about God. If I'm if that and that's not God, if I can get my head around it, that's about God. I can. And, the, and again, the back to the, you know, the Tao would talk about the, the, these, you know, the 10,000 things and they're all manifestations. And, and if I pay too much attention to them, they're really distractions. If I know they're just, if I know it's a distraction from what's real, then I, when I'm really discovering that this is what's real and what's real, I can't get my head around that. And yeah. boy, that's actually a wonderful feeling of like, mm -hmm. there's actually like that God must be therefore like more than I can name and like, oh, okay. That's actually a much happier place for me to be in as a, as a devotionalist, as someone who wants to connect with the divine is like, it's going to be bigger than me. It's going to be broader. And if I can make something of it, then that's a tool or that's about God, but that's not the divine. Oh. It was a really freeing experience. It sounds like you're having a, a bit of that same kind of like, I don't know yeah. what I want. I don't know that I, even with church, like 
I want to be with people. I want to have conversations. I don't think I want to. I don't think I want to know what this thing is. I think I. Yeah. I want to. I want to. I want this to be kind of an uh, like an open space. And as soon yeah. as we call it something, I think we 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 might have fucked it up. Um, yeah. And I don't yeah, want. Yeah, we do might that. have limited it unnecessarily. Yeah. What's coming to mind as you talk is um, I talk about in this book um, how like when we're experiencing trauma, when we're experiencing overwhelm, um, we are, our body springs into action to protect us from harm. And we are temporarily disconnected from the language centers of our brains. So we experience this wordlessness. We, we struggle to make sense of what's happening. And um, I think what I am really amazed by in this moment is that like I think what I'm trying to welcome people into is first to be able to to experience a withness with Hmm. being with in their wordlessness that like it's okay to be there where you can't make sense of your story and you don't know how to where, where God is in this um to be able to like integrate that into words. Mm-hmm. I'm actually trying to lead people from wordlessness with withness, mm-hmm. being witness, being having a sense of, of connection into words so that we can go back to wordlessness. Mm-hmm. Like to be able to go back to that, I can be silent. And it's not scary. Yes. Like God is just with me all the time. Which also means I, I can be silent and it can be nameless and that can and that can no longer be scary. And when I am using words, that doesn't have to be scary either. Because if I call because if I put a name on something, I just don't feel the same attachment to it. Or like now I've made a declaration yeah. and I have to build an empire around it. Like, okay. Right. I this is this is a maybe this much of the whole of the thing. I don't feel yeah. I feel freer to use language because I don't think I'm yes. gonna I don't I'm not gonna capture all of this in a bottle yeah. and then have, I don't to, have to get it right. I don't have to get it right. I get to be in dialogue um with this God who's really present and really with me. Talk about um your your relationship to and with uh the natural world. You're you get outdoors a lot. Um, mm-hmm. um, one of our, there's a, <clears throat> I help lead this series of retreats for, for like long-term, uh, church religious work type people. And one of the experiences we've, we've offered is they, they take this walk in the redwoods. Um, mm. it's, and first of all, it's, 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 and this is not, I, I'm not being mean when I say this, but it is amazing how little exposure ye average human has to, the, to like the wild to the natural yeah. to the natural world yes. like folks who get around the redwoods and they're and will come back from this walk and and they'll say several things the first of which is almost always like i just don't get outside enough which is like, <laughs> like dang that's crazy like you know like like it's all out it's right there <laughs> it's like yeah. it's on the other side of the yeah. door all the time um but the talk about being in a uh being in a place in which um, one, one specific gentleman said, I felt like I was being acted on that. Like in most of my scenarios, like I've got my computer, I've got my phone. I have all these tools of control. Mm-hmm. When I get into nature and into the natural world, it's, it's like it's rhythms, the breeze, the sound, the sun, it is acting on me. And I, all I can actually do is simply receive that. And he said, I'm never in that. I'm never in that posture. Um, your talk about your relationship with with the natural world as a like as a practice is a choice you make. It's a thing you want to do, but it's a choice you make and and a practice. Um, talk about that like as a transformative experience, like making a practice of it. How significant is that for you? Yeah. Um, yesterday I was <clears throat> listening to uh 
a class um, by a woman named Ruby Gibson, and she said something like, "In trauma is a loss of voice, choice, and power, hmm. and healing is reclaiming our voice, choice, and power." And there, for me, to um, choose to go outside and give my attention to something outside of myself is healing um, Mm. over and over again. And then as just like a, a really nerdy person, I like, I know that when I walk, that I'm going to experience something called optic flow, Hmm. which is going to help my whole self feel more alive and good and grounded and hopeful. Like I, I know too much about how our bodies work in relationship to the environment to, um, to like give up the practice of, Mm -hmm going outside that I just like it works it's uh it it affects us in deep deep ways it heals us to be outside um heals the nervous system uh so but my relationship it's really funny that you brought up the redwoods actually um not funny it's beautiful I over Christmas was visiting my family and for Christmas my mom got my dad um digitized our vhs tapes of like family home videos oh wow and yeah and that's a pretty sweet gift it was a really cool gift yeah Yeah. and uh we were sitting around watching i had gone to bed and my dad texted was like you have to come up here there's video of of the redwoods and um they know that i'm doing a lot of work around national parks right now Hmm. with uh project i'm I'm doing next. And so it's like, oh my gosh. Okay. So I went upstairs. I hadn't fallen asleep yet. And uh, I got to see video of little tiny me. Like I must've been six. I don't know. Mm. It was really little uh, in Redwoods National Park. And I was like, I saw the seeds of who I am today. Hmm on the screen of this little girl who was just delighted by my surroundings. And I was like, look, I found a banana slug. Look at this. And I was like showing all my family members, look at, look at how, look at that color. And I was pointing out just the, the small minutia of our environment. Mm. And, um, <clears throat> and that's literally what I do for a job now is I, yeah. I say, look, look at this. Yeah. It's astounding. That's what I do for a living. Um, that's my vocation. And it was just um, really cool to see that my relationship with nature started so long ago and it fed me then and it feeds me now. Um, I, I, I think of that person that went on your retreat and how he said he was being acted on and, um, like I, I love to go outside. I'm consenting to be acted on. That's like for a trauma survivor, that's, that's an act of big trust. Yeah. That like, I am going to consent to let the world affect me and that I could trust that there, that it, that it will affect me in a good way. Yeah. Um, and, and it will like this morning I was reading about petrichor, the scent that happens when after rain. the yeah after rain when the land yeah. has been dry for a long time and then suddenly it rains and it's in part the scent of ozone coming down from much higher in the atmosphere but it's also the release of a chemical called geosmin in plants and so the oils in the plants are being released and that's spread dispersed in the air in a way that is communicating to these other animals of like there's nutrients here. You can come out, and it's like it's like a little it's like a little always, party. It's like a little celebration. It's like a little party. party. Petrichor, yes, and it is. If you <laughs> people listening, like that's the name for the scent that you that that really beautiful scent that you smell when it it's rained after a long time of not raining, and yeah. 
there's that, that delightful smell, you know? Um, I say that because it's like nature's always communicating like that through the release of these chemicals and through through the wind. And um I I think going outside and making it a habit to be acted upon, I am can it's a practice of interdependence. It's a consent to saying, I am not just me. I am part of this yes, and, and I will be affected by this and that will be a good, good thing. Yeah. And like, I actually need to be acted upon by my natural environment in order to be well and whole. Yeah. I need to smell petrichor yeah. <laughs> to be a person, you know? Yeah. So I like that you point out that it is, that. It, it is an act of, uh, of trust to allow nature to act on you, <laughs> especially, especially because. Uh, as my son pointed out, uh, he said, you know, every every scene I see online of nature is like a shark attacking someone or like some rogue bear. Like this is people's. Yeah. Like if you, if your entire experience of nature is like somehow through this thing, it's <laughs> all it's, it's it's all sharks and they're all coming <laughs> like it's, it's just like it's just sharks chasing people down and the and the you know the, the occasional rogue bear it's all violence which is not not true but there's more to it than that um i would love oh, to we, we need to wrap this up in a couple minutes but um if there's a piece from from the new book you would be open to reading that you would feel like hey this is reflective i love to land there yeah before before we get there for one yeah, that's great. Uh, uh, the two uh, semi-quick questions ish. Mm-hmm. Um, you you mentioned the the book I'm dropping in in May. the The book is about the rhythm between uh, rhythm and tension between work and rest. And the part of why I asked you really about like your your pace now is because you're someone who, yeah. who values rest intentionally. Um, yeah, knowing Damn. what work looks like over the next five years. Uh, and you and your work life having uh like evolved a little bit uh oh, evolved a lot yeah <laughs> how has rest uh evolved because it becomes more of a choice like with with our work lives especially once we've got book contracts and clients to some yeah. degree the world around us our work world will say this is where to show up and our responsibilities to say yes to other people our rest life becomes then a very different choice where we're, we're we have to say yes in a different way so talk about the like your your practice of rest how that's evolved or is evolving now yeah uh, in light of knowing as much as you do about what work looks like yeah um the beginning of my answer is about work in that like it's been a transition of like writing books is my job like mm-hmm. it so I treat it so progressively through these, you know, last three books, releasing these books is more and more treating it like a job, treating it like I if I had a office job, I would go into work and I would leave work. Like mm-hmm. giving myself limits around when am I working and when am I not, which is a very fluid strange thing when you're a poet and Mm -hmm. you're like with the kind of work we do because it's personal and it's it's about like paying attention to our surroundings and then translating that into words um but like having more limits um boundaries with myself around you you stop working at the end of the day you don't just work all evening and you get get the hell off social media and you take days off um yeah that's been important. So uh, I would say like the gift and the luxury of being given the chance to let writing be my job, let writing books be my work um, and not just an extra is that I also then have to take rest more seriously. Hmm. I have to make sure that I am resting and that I am taking a Sabbath Um and like over the the fall um summer through fall i got into foraging um for mushrooms and like joined my mycological society locally and 
it was the most, uh, it was the best, best thing I've done mm. for myself in years, like to get into this practice of just walking in the woods mm. for hours and hours, at least once a week, sometimes more because I love it so much. Yeah. And just pay attention to small, tiny things. That's good. Not I like I like the, the 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 distinction there with like when you make a joy, when you make like a joyous practice, a work. When it becomes a job, a work, you then have to really intentionalize and reapproach your practice of rest. Like this was a joyful practice, poetry writing. It's now a job, so that's not off of that's now like as much as I like it's it. Still, and it still brings me joy, but I it can't. But you, but you have to now, and so. Yeah. You have to then somehow refill that space and re and intentionally reapproach your practice of rest and find other things that are not this thing anymore. Yeah, that I have to be really. Um, I have to have boundaries with myself that I am not always producing. Yes. Um, or I am not always. I don't know. Like, I just have to have. I have to have enough room in my life, and I would say, to be frank like currently right now with book release season I don't I I'm keeping room like I'm going cross-country skiing on Saturday yeah. and I was like I'm really glad I made that I made the choice to go do that with a friend yeah and because I knew like my four weeks ago self who made the plan was like you're gonna need to take a break uh you're gonna need to go be outside and shut Good. your mouth and stop talking about yourself and your book for a day <laughs> um but you know that's that's not necessarily enough but I I think I need spaces where I'm silent I need spaces where I don't have to say things that are for other people but I just there so it's just more important it's it's like I have to I think I have a responsive I have a high responsibility to slow down and mm. get silent um yeah. because of how much I've chosen to write <laughs> yeah that's great yeah love that answer um have you selected found a piece I did I to yeah it's not necessarily a piece that's more about um nature mostly because i i wanted to pay attention to what you were saying um but it's a piece that this is one of my favorite pieces in the book great so you know it'll work good this is a this is a poem um i didn't title my pieces don't have titles um which was a kind of intentional choice love it uh so to set it up this is really about my relationship with my body and great. um how i learned to treat myself as someone who grew up in evangelicalism. Fantastic. Okay. All right. <laughs> Religion said sanctification meant making myself small. The church handed me scissors and commanded, get to work. Cut away all the parts of you that are flesh. I became more scissors than a self. I swallowed a story of war as grace. I made my mind a general, barking orders to march hard. I declared corporeal war for spiritual gain. Truth against tissue, faith against fear, holiness against the heart. I named my skin an enemy to subjugate, my feelings foes to fight, my desires rivals to oppose. I marched until I collapsed. What good is a Christian soldier marching as to war with the cross of Jesus crushing them into the floor? My body was never territory to colonize. But down on the ground, in the dirt, in the grime, I could see past the lies to a riven side. Holes and hands spoke peace to mine. The scissors were never spiritual. The war was never divine. The truth was that this body was already a place with holiness inside. Sanctification is like stitching the sinew to the soul, and grace is but a thread sewing mind and body whole. The body is not a barrier between the Bible and belief. 
It is the tissue where tenderness can speak the truth in relief. Your body is already the beloved dwelling place of God. Fantastic. Thanks for letting me share. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for doing so. Thanks for your time this morning. Likewise. This was a delight. It was so fun. And thank you for joining me on this episode of the At Sea Podcast. If you would like to dig into that book that KJ Ramsey and I talked about, it is called The Book of Common Courage, Prayers and Poems to Find Strength in Small Moments. It's a beautiful volume. Um, You can find that really anywhere you buy books. I prefer heartsandmindsbooks.com. Buy it directly from Byron. Or if you would like to be one of the persons who helps make this podcast happen, we would love to have you on the team. Just visit us at patreon.com backslash Justin McRoberts. We'll see you there. Until next time.